What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we are getting you set for week six of the SEC, talking all things betting with our buddy Danny Cannell uh, from Bet Online. He is going to get us set for all of the action happening this week in the SEC. So let's jump into it. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. I am Chris Gordy. Today's episode brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on the underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to 100 bucks. Underdog is the place to go. I am Chris Gordy. This is Locked on SEC. we got tons of action to get into and tons of betting lines from our friends over at Bet Online to jump into. And joining us now is our buddy Danny Cannell to get in on all the action. And Danny, we did not uh, get a huge protest the last time you were on from all the SEC fans. They actually uh, really liked you on the show. So I said, all right, well, we got to get Danny back on again and talk all things SEC. How are you, man? Awesome. Good to be back, Chris. It's good that hopefully you didn't lose a lot that just clicked off right away or X'd out or said, I can't listen to it. Hopefully they can see I can be objective and looking around the conference, and it's always fun, man. You guys have the best fans in the world, so I'm thrilled to be back on. Yeah, and look, there's some really talented teams in this league, and we're starting to, you know, week, going into week six, we start to kind of separate the the contenders from the pretenders, who's real and who's not. And now we're starting to see maybe Texas A&M isn't. Uh, Alabama and Georgia look the real deal, although Georgia's kind of played with fire a little bit in recent weeks. But uh, still some really good football, so I figured we'll jump into it. We have a full slate, Danny, of SEC versus SEC teams, so let's jump right into it. The early game, which in my opinion should be the prime time game. I don't know how the TV networks missed on this, but Tennessee, the undefeated volunteers, are going to LSU. Betaline's got the line at about Tennessee, a three-point favorite. This is a great game for both sides because if Tennessee loses it, it doesn't necessarily mess up what they need, what they want to do because it's a loss to a Western team, not an Eastern team. And for LSU and Brian Kelly, hey, man, you got nothing to lose. You're kind of playing with a house deck right now at 4-1, and one, an opportunity here to get a big marquee win of the Brian Kelly era. No doubt. Uh, Chris, just a real, like, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the wrong game is in prime time. I think if I'm correct, and I remember this, you know, from being in some meetings, whether it was at ESPN or now at CBS, I think CBS has to pick the prime, like the way they draft the games. I think they have to declare it like er, before the season starts. I don't think it's one of those ones they could switch late because they only get a couple. I think they get two primetime games and it used to be always LSU Bama. They picked that one early and it always worked out great. This one we all had circled, right, for that Nick Saban versus Jimbo. And then, of course, now. But that's that's I think that's how it works. Now, I'm you. If I'm a, if I'm a TV executive, I'm like, how can we not switch that? I don't think they can. But you are 100% right. This, to me, is the game of the week in the SEC for so many different reasons. I like Tennessee a lot coming into the season. I like them even more now. I like them in this game to win and cover. To me, I think LSU has been a great story. But I think Tennessee, to me, is just the better team and definitely the better offense. Offense, Although Jaden Daniels has done a really nice job and Mike Denbrock has done a good job utilizing his legs. But I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I think he's he's my pick to win the Heisman right now, if, if, especially if you like odds, a little bit of a longer shot. But I love the way he plays in this system. And I thought that win against Florida was one of those monumental moments for a program 
that had really struggled against their rival. They get past that hurdle. Now they're going to be playing with a lot more confidence. And you mentioned it. The fact that this is noon, I actually think helps Tennessee because we all know what Baton Rouge is like at night. Not quite the same at Tiger Stadium. Not to say they won't be loud and they won't be crazy and it'll be a tough place to play, but not the same as it is at night. So I actually think Tennessee gets a little bit of a bonus here playing in the early slate. And, you know, LSU's had a – it's been a surprising upside to me, but I think you do dig into some of their wins – and they're not as impressive as maybe they would be in years past with some of the opponents having a little bit down years of the teams they've beaten. And I believe more in Tennessee. Yeah, unless you kind of toying with Auburn a week ago and, and messing around with blowing that one. And uh, the big one in this game, Danny, that I'm looking at is neither quarterback has thrown an interception. Who makes that mistake? Is it Hendon Hooker? Is it Jaden Daniels? So we will see what happens in that one. Another one of the early games, it is Mizzou at Florida. And it's so funny, Danny, Mizzou's losing, you know, on a, on a two-game losing streak. However, man, are they fighting hard. They should have won at Auburn. They really had Georgia on the ropes a week ago, could have won that one. Florida seems to be kind of getting themselves right here. We're starting to see Anthony Richardson throw for some touchdown passes. Had that great second half against, uh, against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Florida ran a 10-point favorite, but, man, I like what Eli Drinkwood's uh, team is doing. They're fighting hard. I do, too. I, that, I think Florida wins the game, but you mentioned it. Missouri's been playing really good football, and I think a lot of, of attention was paid to Georgia. Like, what's wrong with Georgia when they're struggling? And, and you know, it was different because the Kent State, uh, Kent State game for Georgia was more about a sleepwalking through it, and then they wake up, and they take control, and they pull away. They don't cover, but they pull away, and you're like, okay, that was your, your game that you kind of, you know, just you overlook the opponent. Missouri... I thought was going to be their wake-up game, and then they come back. And I think a lot of people just said, oh, what's wrong with Georgia's offense? What's wrong with Georgia? Why aren't they a superior? I thought that was more about Missouri and a team that is playing better than we thought. You mentioned it. They should have beaten Auburn if they can make the kick, if they can get it across the goal line without fumbling going in. They win that game and play Georgia tough as nails. I, I like Missouri in this one, getting all these points. Anthony Richardson, I thought that was a great game for him against Tennessee. I thought it was exactly what you needed to see if you're Billy Napier, who has been all in on Anthony Richardson from the get-go, from spring ball. He's like the leadership perspective that he's provided. But I, I'm not at the point yet. Like Hendon Hooker, I talked about what that game meant from him and Tennessee program. He had already laid a foundation for an entire year of 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. Anthony Richardson, still a little bit of a bumpy ride for him at quarterback. And I think it'll be a little bit of a closer affair. So I'll go ahead and take Mizzou and all those points uh, playing in Gainesville. Yeah, you talk about trying to get right. There's a team that really needs to try to get right, and that's the Arkansas Razorbacks. An upsetting loss at A&M, or against A&M two weeks ago, and then last week against Alabama. Man, I thought they had a chance. They make it 28-23. Bryce Young's not in the game, and all they do is just – give up big 70-yard touchdown runs to Jameer Gibbs and Jalen Milrow, and uh, it was disappointing. Arkansas's defense is really hurting. They're going to Mississippi State, to Starkville. Man, those cowbells are going. Will Rogers is on fire right now in that air raid Mike Leach offense. Mississippi State, a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Man, I, Danny, it's hard to me for me to look at this and not see Arkansas's third straight loss coming. I do, too. I like them versus the number, though. I do think the one way to slow down this offense is to potentially to get to the quarterback who's playing. Will Rogers playing as good as anybody, not in the conference, in the country. And, of course, you know, you can say all you want about the Mike Leach system, the air raid. He is, you know, thriving in that system, which we've seen a lot of quarterbacks do. 
but he's still playing at an extremely high level. But the one way to disrupt that is with pressure up front. And that's the one thing I'm curious to see if Arkansas, who leads the conference in sacks, if they can get that pressure that they were unable to get against Alabama, I do think they'll have some more success uh, getting to Will Rogers. And I also, you're right, like, I think Arkansas, I think they're getting a little bit of value here because had they beaten Texas A&M, which they should have, right? I mean, they were up, it could have been 21-7. Instead, you get that massive swing of the 98-yard return for a touchdown. You get the field goal that misses at the end of the game. They should have won that game, and it could have really been, you know, a two-touchdown win or more. And then against Alabama, I was really impressed with them fighting their way back in the game. And sure, you know, with with Bryce Young going down, it provides a little bit of a spark, and Alabama had to be a little bit more conservative. But I still like the direction Sam Pittman has this game. In a game, to me, of this, like SEC West, two really good teams going, I don't know if I trust anybody to win significantly. I think this will be a field goal game. So I like Arkansas here getting the points. Want to quickly remind you that this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. I'm on the Underdog app right now, and one of my favorite things to do is go to the higher, lower. It's a very easy way to uh, get in on the action on the games this weekend. All you do is look at some of the totals for some of the players out there. For instance, I'm going to have one of my TVs on Texas and Oklahoma. They've got Quinn Ewers listed as the starter. He's expected to probably be back for Texas. 249 and a half passing yards over under. I'm going to go the under on that. And then Bijan Robinson, 99 and a half rushing yards for Texas. I think Oklahoma's going to load up, stack the box. They want to slow down Bijan Robinson. I'm going to go the under on that. So lower on both those guys. I, that's how I'm going. You tell me how you're going on the underdog app. Go on there right now. You can make the picks of your own just like I did. It's easy to play. It's available in over 30 states. States Just pick between two and five players across any team, not uh, just your team, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win whole cold hard cash in a single game. Sign up with our promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Deposit 100 bucks, get 100 bucks free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the Apple Store, Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Continue our conversation with Danny Cannell, who is coming on courtesy of BetOnline or BetOnline.net. Uh, of course, you can check out BetOnline for your updated college football playoff conference, Heisman, and college football week six lines. And we're running through some of those SEC lines with Danny. And Danny, let's jump back into it. We got Auburn at Georgia. This line has been very interesting to watch just because of how both teams are playing. Georgia's not playing their best like they were the first few weeks of the season. And Auburn, I think everybody's kind of looking at it and saying, all right, when's Brian Harsey get fired, getting fired? What week is that going to happen? But Georgia, right around a 27.5-point favorite right now. It's a lot of points for an Auburn team that probably should have beaten LSU this past week. It's wild. Uh, Chris, I think, I think they're begging you to take Auburn and say, oh, this is an SEC game, you know, two, you know traditional rivalry, always close. I, now, I, I got burned on this one last week with Georgia saying their get-right game was going to be Missouri. That one on the road, this one back between the hedges, I think this is where Georgia gets it and kind of puts the hammer down to an Auburn team. You know, you think about the recruiting battles that take place. I think there's incentive to maybe even hammer it home a little bit more. And because they did drop in the poll, that's always something, 
you know, coaches, I don't think they pay too much attention to it. But if you're Kirby smart, you can build that into the motivational tactic of, hey, you guys, we need to wake up. We need to start playing some better football. I think they do. Still a little bit, you know, Stetson Bennett has played, started coming out of the gate. He looks like a Heisman candidate. I still think they need somebody at Georgia that has to step up that's not named Brock Bowers, who I do think is the best offensive weapon in the country. He is so special, and I think he's I think he should be the player that's getting the Heisman love for the Georgia Bulldogs, but they've got somebody else that has to step up. Maybe it's Lab McConkey, who has struggled a little bit recently, hasn't been able to kind of get open and provide that deep threat that they've wanted before. But I think things iron out this week. I think I think Georgia gets right. And Auburn's a little bit of a – I mean, not a little bit of a mess. They're a complete mess. It does feel like the waiting game. And I think the more interesting question will be, you know, on Monday, is Brian Harson still the head coach if it is an ugly loss to Georgia? Because he keeps, you know, just buying a little bit more time, buying a little more time, but we all kind of know what the end's going to look like. Yeah, Georgia keeps teasing us. Are we going to see Eric Gilbert eventually at some point, anytime? And for Auburn, my gosh, when Tank Bigsby is only getting 12 carries in a game, I'm going, what are you doing, Auburn? This guy should be getting 20 touches a game. We'll see what happens. Another game, and this one's kind of a snoozer, Danny, when you just look at the matchup. It's Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Ole Miss an 18-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Vandy. Ole Miss has had the luxury of they played a bunch of nobodies the first few weeks. They passed the test this past week. Huge win against Kentucky where they got into their red zone not once but twice and forced turnovers to preserve that victory. But Ole Miss, man, it feels like they could just run the football in this one, have a running clock, and let's get this game over in three hours. So I think so too, but I'd be a little bit cautious. And I know Vanderbilt got absolutely blown, you know, the doors blown off against Alabama. But I do think there's something about this game's in Nashville where I'm sure it'll be well represented by Ole Miss. But I like the direction that Clark Lee has this uh, program headed. I like A.J. Swan, the young quarterback they've been given more time to before the Alabama blowout, which a lot of young quarterbacks, you know, st- you know, starting for the first time in their careers, a couple starts. But before that, he was pretty impressive, getting four touchdowns. I think this could be one of those backdoor covers for, uh, for, for the Vanderbilt Commodores late in this game. Because the line, I think, you might even think, oh, this is too easy. And I think that's the initial inclination is come in, be like, oh, Miss, oh, they're going to roll through Vanderbilt. They are coming off an emotional physical game where, I mean, yes, we saw Will Levis, you know, had the bad end of that, you know, broken finger come off, but everybody's coming out there battered and bruised. I think they could sputter out of the gate a little bit. Nashville's always not a typical SEC environment where it's wild and there's a lot of energy. I think this could be one when maybe you see Ole Miss stumble out of the gate, and I also think the back door could be open for Vanderbilt to cover late. I think Vanderbilt is on the up in the SEC, I'm not saying they're going to pull off the upset, but I think this could be one where at least through halftime, it's a little bit closer than people think. And you're right. Ole Miss, as much as we think about Lane Kiffin and the offensive prowess and the quarterbacks that have come through there, they'll probably go to that run game, which has been as good as anybody's in the SEC. Yeah, number five in the country in rushing offense. It's unbelievable what they've done. Quinshawn Judkins, a name we didn't know a few weeks ago. (laughs) He has certainly made a name for himself. Uh, Next game, Danny, it's South Carolina at Kentucky, and Kentucky is about a 10-point favorite according to Online. This seems like an ultimate game of turn the page, Kentucky. You can't let that game last week linger into this week. Turn the page, take care of a South Carolina team that you are, are better than but, man, I've been so disappointed in Spencer Radler. I really thought he was going to be much better than he's played so far for Shane Beamer's crew. I'm with you. And I, I was a little more skeptical than most of the Spencer Rattler move. You know, if you can't keep your job and thrive at a place like Oklahoma 
where, I mean, let's just be honest, you have more talent than almost everybody on your schedule. South Carolina, that's not the case. You don't have as much talent as Georgia, as some of the powerhouses you face, and maybe not even right now where we stand as much ta- uh, talent as Kentucky has, considering the job that Mark Stoops has done developing that program. I'm sort of, you know, you know it's kind of like a little uh, two-game parlay here off the hangover effect of that game, Ole Miss-Kentucky. Ole Miss, you heard I like Vanderbilt. Uh, in that one, and similar f- the philosophy here with Kentucky. Now, they're playing at home, so it's a little bit different. They may be bounced back, but I do think Spencer Rattler is one of those quarterbacks who, again, kind of a backdoor situation here where he's been highly inconsistent, but then once kind of the game's out of control, he comes around, makes some plays, and I'm a little bit worried about Kentucky and a bounce back here. I think Kentucky wins, but again, I think this will be a game you look up at at halftime and be like, man, why isn't Kentucky up more? Why aren't they winning more of these games? And for South Carolina, who is a program who I think looks up and very realistically of some of their opponents like uh, Georgia, like Arkansas, and they say, man, you know, it's, it's kind of you don't believe you can win. I think South Carolina realizes this is a game they could win, and they have a little bit more belief and a little bit more fight, and Jane Beamer's got this team. And that's He's built that program on belief in the program and what they can do. I think they'll come in with some confidence, even though they're struggling this season off to a little bit of a rough start. I think they'll come up with some confidence into this game. Yeah, I think last year's game, it was an ugly, like, 16-10 to 10 type game or something. It was. Yeah, I, w- it was I would ugly. lean that way, too, towards <laughs> the under as well. All right, Danny, the moment of truth, the game of the week. CBS putting this in prime time. Get out of here, Blue Bloods and NCIS. It's A&M at Alabama. Crimson Tide about a 24-point favorite, and that's with questions on Bryce Young. Will he play in this one? Will it be Jalen Milrow? Doesn't seem to matter out in Vegas. Bet online, 24-point favorites for the Tide. I do think, Chris, that the line tells you that Bryce Young is going to play. I could be totally wrong on that, but... I just look at it. It is a pretty big number, but I'm going to lay it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay those points because I do think this is a game, obviously, for all the obvious reasons. Alabama's heard all offseason about Texas A&M beating them last year in College Station when Zach Calzada somehow turned into Aaron Rodgers. They've heard all offseason about the war of words which took place between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. They've heard all about it. And I think they've also heard, you know, some skeptics this year. Now they got back that number one spot. But I also think they realize what that means and what it means to the program. So I I like Alabama in this position. As much as I want to say it's about Alabama, I think it's more about the struggles that Texas A&M is having right now and very real problems, both the quarterback with Anaya Smith out. It was really A-Chain and Anaya Smith were the two weapons that Texas A&M had. And it was, to me, as somebody watching that offense, it was frustrating. Like, man, you have all this talent. Why isn't anybody else getting the ball? And then once you lose one of those and it's your most viable, uh, most dangerous weapon as far as receiving the football and he's gone for the season, I think it's exposed Texas A&M somewhat. So I don't think they're going to be able to do much. I do think Jimbo Fisher's best chance and it's a, it's a tactic he's used for a long time is to slow the game down, to really try to force feed the run game, to give it to A-Chain, to try to slow it down, and maybe you know give your, let your defense go out there and try to eat and try to you know slow down Alabama. I just don't think they're going to be – I think they'll maybe keep it competitive for a half, but once the floodgates open, I think they will open because Texas A&M is not designed to get in a shootout with Bryce Young or Jalen Milrow in any circumstance. So I'd say Alabama wins big at home. 
Just one more quick thought on that, Danny. You as a, as a former quarterback, you know Jimbo Fisher very well. He was the Florida State coach for so long. And big bad Brad Johnson, his son Max Johnson there at, at A&M now. Are there certain things they could do to get Max a little bit more comfortable? You lose Anaya Smith, but, man, it feels like he's, he looks like a different quarterback than the, even the kid that played at LSU a year ago. He does. And, you know, I've been pretty critical of Jimbo Fisher's system. I like him as a coach. He clearly is a winner. He's been able to elevate programs. But I think if he even did some self-scouting and looked at his own offense from a out, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, I think you would see that they're just kind of a little bit antiquated uh, in running schemes that have worked for him. And he even said this after the game which I heard Dan Reeves tell us when I was on the Atlanta Falcons is, hey, it's not the scheme, it's the execution. And while the execution clearly is a part of the problem, I also think you could do a better job of utilizing motion, utilizing tempo, utilizing just a lot of concepts that are being used around college football that Jimbo has not. As as hard as this would be, I think Texas A&M would absolutely crush it if they brought in a young, innovative offensive mind and let him run the plays and then let Jimbo run, you know, oversee the offense, but get in a fresh set of eyes and some fresh concepts. I think that would make uh, Texas A&M extremely dangerous. I don't think Jimbo wants to do that because he really likes calling plays. But I think clearly the best thing you can give a quarterback in any system is a run game. But you got to also have some options on the outside, and they just don't have the weapons yet. Now, maybe somebody uh, comes to the forefront and starts showing up. It's Brown, it's Lane, it's uh, you know a young uh, Stewart. Somebody's got to step up and start making some plays. But I would say the thing that he could do best for Max Johnson is giving him effective run game, which is something that you know Texas A&M or Jimbo's teams have always been known for, no matter who the quarterback has been, and they're just struggling kind of in all phases right now offensively. Hey, a long time ago, it took Nick Saban getting out of his old ways of doing things, bringing in Lane right. Kiffin. So you're right. Maybe Jimbo's got to hand over those duties eventually to somebody else. He is Danny Cannell, of course, coming on courtesy of Bet Online. Great place to go. It's the spot you need to go to uh, get in all the ac- on all the action ahead of Week Six. Not just in the SEC, but in all of college football. And Bet Online doing some great work, Danny. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. It was a ton of fun, man. Hopefully we get some winners for you. All right. Thanks, man. We'll, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again very soon. Danny Cannell there, of uh, courtesy of Bet Online, joining us here on Locked On SEC. Coming up next, we are going to jump into our official picks we'll be making for Week 6 in the SEC. Coming your way next. All right, continue on here on Locked On SEC, and it's about that time. We ran through some of the games this weekend with Danny Cannell. You heard his picks. Now it's time for us to go on the record make our official picks. So let's jump into it. SEC Week 6. Here's where we're going with our picks. We'll start with number 8 Tennessee at number 25 LSU. It's an 11 a.m. Central game on ESPN. Just a couple notes on this one. LSU wide receiver Chris Hilton recently underwent shoulder surgery. He's expected to miss the rest of the season. He had seven catches for 109 yards this season for LSU. It's a little depth there, a depth loss for LSU. They still have Kayshawn Booty and Malik Neighbors and Jack Bash and all those other guys ahead of them, so they should be fine there. Josh Heupel says that wide receiver Cedric Tillman did return to the field this week in practice, but the overwhelming belief is that they're going to play it safe and Cedric Tillman will not play in this game. But they still got Jalen Hyatt. They still got so many other weapons. 
I think this, if LSU's offense can find their high-flying uh, passing power but behind Jaden Daniels, who is expected to play, and they can score 30 points, I think they have a chance to win this game. But if LSU can't hit 30, I think they lose. And so I'm going to take Tennessee minus the three in Death Valley at LSU. I'll take Tennessee to win a close one, 31 to 27. They cover the three. But again, LSU offense doesn't get to 30. Tennessee's offense or defense not the best in the SEC, but I think that would be this is a huge test for them, and they will pass the test if they can hold uh, the LSU offense under 30. So we're taking Tennessee minus the three. Next up, we got three and two Arkansas, number 23 Mississippi State, 11 a.m. Central on the SEC Network. Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers was just named the Manning Award quarterback of the week. On the flip side, after not participating in the first two practices this week, uh, Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson was able to get on the field Wednesday. Sam Pittman confirmed he is going to be part of the travel roster. I believe he's recovering from, or reports have believed he's recovering from a concussion. Cade Fortin sounds like he will be the guy to get the start if K.J. Jefferson is definitely out. Fortin is uh, a walk-on, but was previously on scholarship at North Carolina and South Florida before he entered the transfer portal a second time. I just think Mississippi State's playing so well at home this year. Those cowbells are rocking. And unfortunately, I think Arkansas takes their third straight loss. Give me Mississippi State minus the nine. I think that they poured on Arkansas. Again, maybe I'm too reactionary. Arkansas, I thought they had a chance last week against Alabama. Cut it to 28-23, and then Alabama just steamrolled them with all those rushing yards. I'm doubting Barry Odom, and I'm doubting that Arkansas defense. I think Mississippi State wins, and I think Mississippi State covers that nine. Give me State minus nine and the win over Arkansas. Next up, it's two and three Mizzou at three and two Florida. 12 Eastern on ESPNU. A few notes from this one. Florida linebacker Ventrell Miller says he is 100% after his recent injury. So it sounds like he's a go. And Missouri, wide receiver Dominic Lovett, questionable. A lot of people thinking he won't play in this one. Freshman Luther Burden listed as probable. Running back Elijah Young and offensive guard Luke Griffin have been ruled out for Mizzou. I like what Mizzou's been doing these last couple weeks, albeit in losses. They're a scrappy bunch. They should have won at Auburn. They were beating Georgia for three and a half quarters last week. But I've, I like what I've seen out of Anthony Richardson these last couple weeks. Really got his mojo back in the loss to Tennessee. Didn't give up. Didn't quit. Had his best career game yet. Looked good this past weekend against uh, Eastern Washington. I like Anthony Richardson. Give me Florida minus the 10.5. I know it's a lot of points, but it's the Swamp, and the Swamp will be rocking. I like Florida minus the 10.5. Next up, 3-2 Auburn at number 2 Georgia. It will be... 3.30 Eastern on CBS, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Normally, when it comes to a rivalry game, you throw out the records. But history is not on Auburn's side here. Georgia has won five straight, dominated, has dominated the series over the last 20 years. The Bulldogs have a top-five score on offense and defense. It's a lot of points, man. Betterline's got a 29-and-a-half. I saw it 30 other places. Man, four touchdowns. Can, can Auburn keep it within four touchdowns? That's the question. I want to take Georgia minus the 29 and a half. I think they win big. I think they win ugly. Uh, let's say a 45 to 10 type score. Georgia with the cover. Auburn with a blowout loss. Robbie Ashford 
going to be a rough day at the office for him. And I think maybe come Monday, Brian Harson no longer the head coach at Auburn. But we'll see. It's a rivalry game. Could be close. Next up is number nine, Ole Miss at 3-2 Vandy. 4 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. Ole Miss, one of only four SEC teams still undefeated. Trying to keep pace with Alabama in the West. Vanderbilt has the SEC's longest active streak, streak with at least one takeaway at 14 straight games. But Quinshawn Judkins helping power that number four uh, running attack in the country along with the uh, TCU transfer, Zach Evans. Judkins leads all freshmen, ranks 12th in the country in rushing with 107 rushing yards per game. I don't think Ole Miss even needs to throw a pass here. I think they just run the ball all day on Vandy. Keep a running clock. Let's get this one over in under three hours. Give me Ole Miss minus the 17 at Vandy. Again, pretty big line. Clark Lee's done a great job at Vandy, but I just think they're getting into the thick of it where they're playing SEC teams much better than them. Give me Ole Miss minus the points. Am I taking everybody minus the points here? I feel like there's got to be one upset, right? Somebody's got to cover. Next up, 3-2 and two, South Carolina is at number 13, Kentucky. 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. If you missed the news on Thursday, Kentucky Sports Radio's uh, Matt Jones put out there, Will Levis, listed as questionable for this game, said he has an injury different than the finger that uh, obviously he had the bent finger last week. So it's not uh, long-term serious, but could keep him out this week. He will be a game-time decision. Kaya Sharon will be the quarterback if Will Levis cannot go. Just because of that news, give me South Carolina plus the six. Keep in mind, a year ago, I think Kentucky won this game like 16 to 10. It was very low scoring, very ugly. Will Levis only threw for like 100 yards in the game. So maybe it's close. I don't think it should be. I think Kentucky should turn the page after the uh, disappointing loss at Ole Miss a week ago that they really should have won. I think they need to bounce back and beat South Carolina handily this week. But if Will Levis can't go, whew, I'm jumping on Spencer Rattler in South Carolina and give me Marshawn Lloyd to have a big day on the ground. Lastly, 3-2 Texas A&M at number one Alabama, 7 p.m. Central on CBS. Things have gotten so bad in College Station that one Aggie fan called the Paul Feinbaum show talking about Jimbo Fisher's $95 million buyout and said a hitman is a lot cheaper than the amount of that buyout. Max Johnson reportedly sidelined for the foreseeable future uh, with a broken hand, potentially missing the rest of the season. Billy Lucci of Texax chimed in and said uh, he, he may be back in a couple weeks. Lucci said that uh, true freshman Connor Wegman could also see playing time in this one behind Haynes King, who expects to get the start. And Alabama showing they have full confidence in Jalen Milrow if they're going to roll with him. Bryce Young is not ready to go. The latest news there, Nick Saban said it's a pain tolerance issue for Bryce Young, and he will be a game-time decision. I expect we see Haynes King, and I expect we see uh, Jalen Milrow, and I think Alabama runs the ball all over AM. Give me Bama minus the 24. If Max Johnson was healthy, I was going to lean AM to maybe cover the 24. Yeah, you lose by three touchdowns, you still get the cover. But I like Alabama to absolutely steamroll AM, particularly for the comments of the offseason with the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban spat. So we'll take Alabama minus 24. So a lot of spreads that we're taking. Look, if you want to take a chance on somebody money line, I might lean maybe taking LSU in the, in the home upset. Again, it's Death Valley, but it's 11 a.m., it's not 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And maybe if you really want to get spunky and want to feel another chance at an upset, maybe take Mizzou at Florida. Just, again, if you're getting good enough odds, I'm not saying I'm predicting them to win, but if you're getting good enough odds, why not jump on that? But whatever you do, just keep your money off A&M. <laughs> keep your money off Fandy. 
And there you have it. Those are our week six picks, those lines, courtesy of our friends over at Online. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys for listening and making us your first listen every day. Now you can make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, getting you ready for another week of SEC football. And keep in mind, Monday we'll be back with our winners of the weekend, giving you all a recap and all the action from week six in the SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.